We are up to chapter six, Mishnah number six, and we'll be here for a while. We're going through the 48 ways that our sages tell us are used to acquire Torah. And we are up to way number six, and that is beyira, which means with fear. What does it mean? Fear, it means fear of heaven. So there is this idea called fear of heaven, which is a central concept in Jewish philosophy. And here we're told in our Mishnah that one of the ways that you can acquire Torah is via fear of heaven. Now, what is fear of heaven? Well, on a basic level, it's a mitzvah. The Rambam tells us that there are two pillars of our religious and spiritual life. One is called love of God, and one is called fear of God. And really, all mitzvahs can fall into one of those two buckets. So there's a mitzvah to love God and to fear God. And beyond the limited mitzvah of fearing God, there is also a whole class of behaviors, mitzvos, and in general, a motive relationship that falls under the rubric of fear of God, fear of heaven. Now, the Talmud tells us that this is not just any mitzvah or any idea. It's one of the central ideas of our spiritual lives. The Talmud tells us that there are many parts of our lives that are predetermined, that are outside of our control. So, for example, if someone is physically strong or physically feeble, that's predetermined. It's kind of in your genes. You can't really change it. On the margins, you could change it, but you can't really change it. Someone's intellect, are they very bright or are they less so? Again, it's really genetics. You can improve it on the margins. If you pray, perhaps, the Talmud tells us, you can improve that. But that's just not really within the realm of your free choice. Similarly, how much money will you have, the Talmud says? Some people are just predisposed to wealth, others to poverty. Of course, you can impact it on the margins. And if you pray, you can change it. But in general, those things are predetermined. That's what the Talmud tells us in the book of Nida, page 16b. However, whether someone is a tzaddik or a rasha, if they are righteous or wicked, that is not predetermined at all. That is in their hands. And then the Talmud quotes the famous saying, the famous axiom, Hakol shemaim, all is in the hands of heaven. Chutz miyirashemaim, aside from fear of heaven. What determines if someone is righteous? Or if they're wicked, fear of heaven. A righteous person, says the Talmud, will fear heaven. A non-righteous person will not fear heaven. But how exactly this is manifested? You know, what are the elements of fear of heaven that is discussed at length in our literature? And for our purposes, we have to understand how it is connected to the pursuit of wisdom, to the pursuit of Torah. Why is this a precondition to Torah? 
You may think, you know, if someone's really pious and righteous, that's like a spiritual thing. Torah is a study of a discipline. It's the intellect. It's even the diligence. What does it have to do with fear of heaven, with that form of a spiritual subjugation to our Creator? How is fear of heaven a means by which we can acquire Torah? Now, it is interesting. The Halacha tells us that if you ever get to witness a true Torah scholar, the greatest Torah scholar in the land, there is a special blessing that you make. What is the special blessing that you make over a Torah scholar? Shechalak mi chachmoso Blessed are you, Hashem, who has endowed some of your wisdom to those who fear you. There is an implicit assumption that anyone who qualifies to be a, a scholar of such note and such repute, that you're making this blessing over them, you know for sure that they fear God. There is no separation, so to speak, of a person's spiritual relationship with their creator and the amount of Torah that they can access. And therefore, necessarily, if someone is of that caliber of Torah scholar, then they must fear God. A precondition of Torah greatness is fear of God. But why? So let us examine what our sages say. The Talmud in the book of Brachos, page 33b, says something really curious and original. It quotes a verse in Deuteronomy. The verse says, And now, O Israel, what does Hashem your God really want from you? He only wants fear of heaven. That's it. Let's boil it all down. Let's simplify it. What's the bottom line? What does God actually want from you? He wants fear of heaven. That's it. That's easy. Should be doable. Not so hard. Asks the Talmud, wait a minute. Atu yira shamayim milsa zutrahi? Is fear of heaven something so minor? So trivial, so easy that the, that the verse can say, what does God really want from you after all? It's just fear of heaven. It's so easy. Is it so easy? How can that be? Don't we know the principle that in the Almighty's treasure houses, all there is is fear of heaven? Says the Talmud, well, who in Deuteronomy was making that statement? Who was talking to the Jewish people and telling them, what does God really want from you? He just wants fear of heaven. That, of course, was uttered by Moshe. Moshe, the book of Deuteronomy, is telling us Moshe's last message to the Jews before his passing. And he's telling them, listen, Israelites, what does God really want from you? He just wants fear of heaven. Moshe, from his perspective, to him it was so easy. To him, 
he viewed fear of heaven as something which was trivial. And therefore, from Moshe's perspective, even though for us it may seem that fear of heaven is something very lofty, from Moshe's perspective, it was very easy. The Talmud says, you know, if, if your neighbor comes and asks for a specific tool, it could be a very hard-to-get tool. It could be a tool that most people don't have. But if you have it, it's really easy to say, well, I have it. You can borrow it. If you happen to have a jackhammer in your garage, most people don't have that in their garage. You don't have it. But if you do have it, it's not such a big deal to say, well, I have it. But if you don't have it, that's when you think it's a real big deal. Moshe, he had fear of heaven, and therefore to him it wasn't a big deal. That's what the Talmud says. Now the question, of course, is, wait a minute. Moshe is speaking to the Jewish people. He was speaking to the laity, to the common folk. He was speaking to the simpletons, to everyone. Yet he was telling them, what does God really want from you? He just wants fear of heaven. That's all he wants from you. And therefore, we have to understand what Moshe is saying. So the great altar of Slabarka says something very powerful. There is something we can expect even from small children and even from animals. If you have a dog, you have a puppy, and they rip something, they mess up something, they break something, and you punish them, or you scream at them, or you give them a stern face, they will learn to not do that. That's how you train puppies, right? We don't have any puppies. From what I understand, you train puppies by giving them rewards for when they do something good, and by giving them punishments, maybe it's not the right word, consequences, consequences for when they did something wrong. And if there is danger, if the building is on fire, if the forest is on fire, even the animal knows to avoid danger. You don't need to be a sophisticated savant, a philosopher to know to avoid danger. A small child, an animal, they know that already. What Moshe was telling them, if you know, if you know that the Almighty is telling you what to do and he's telling you what not to do and he is offering reward for those who choose to listen to him and punishment for those who make the unfortunate choice to Disobey him. Even an animal knows to avoid danger. Certainly humans can wrap our heads around that. It's really easy. Fear of heaven is easy. The problem is we don't really have so much faith. That's the problem. But the fear, once you have faith, fear of heaven, living your life in compliance with the word of God, it's really easy. And that's the message he's trying to get to them. It's really easy because if you actually believe, if you actually think about what, what you know, what you believe, what you've experienced, what you've learned, and you make that as real as possible within you, then connecting that to your behavior, 
matching, so to speak, what you know, your principles, your ideals, it's really easy. And I think understanding fear, fear of heaven in this context, it does track really nicely with the idea of Torah and why this would be a precondition for Torah. If we recognize that we're here, we're here, and we're not here for forever, right? We're here for a fixed amount of time. You have 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years. Maybe if they come up with new advances, 110 years. But we're here for a relatively small slice of time. And there's only one definitive authoritative guidance for how to do this properly. Once we're not here anymore, then we have the life of the soul, the eternal life, and we're going to live with the consequences of our behavior here. And the the tool that we need to live life properly, well, that's the Torah. And it's indispensable because it's the sole tool to direct us to doing what we need to do. The Talmud tells us that Torah is as vital as bread, as air, as water. Our eternal life completely hinges on our ability to use the Almighty's guidance to live life properly. Our destiny for all eternity hinges upon us living in accordance with with Torah. With that perspective, we have no choice but to embrace Torah. If we think of a Torah as a nice adjunct to life, well, you know, life is about all these other things. But it's nice to also have a little bit of Torah wisdom, ancient Torah wisdom, our heritage, tack that onto life. With that attitude, you'll probably end up with, you know, 0.1% of 0.1% of 0.1%. You have a small little dip of your toe into the Torah, and that's enough to fill that, that goal, that desire. If you want to enrich your life with Torah, great. You do a little bit and you'll, you'll enrich your life. If you realize that life really here is serious and you have to see everything the money wants to tell you because it's absolutely vast. But that's the only way, you have no choice. That's the only way to live life in a way that you know for sure you're doing what's right. If you have the attitude of fear, that will motivate you to really acquire Torah. Not just a small little bit, a little sprinkling of it, but to really understand what the Almighty is expecting of you. That's one idea. My grandfather, blessed memory, said something so wonderful about fear of heaven that we can't really talk about this subject unless I tell you what he said. The Talmud tells us that there are two kinds of Yetzer Hara. Now, if you read my book, Upon a Ten-Stringed Harp, the first section of the book orients a lot around this idea. So this should be more familiar to you. The Talmud tells us that the Yetzer operates on two different fronts. On one front, 
He's trying to make things really exciting for us. And he's trying to get us to make mistakes and blunders out of excitement. There's temptation, there's lust, there's novelty. And every day there's new novelty. And he's trying to enchant us and to entrance us to get us to yield to temptation. That's one kind of Yetzirah. There is a second kind of Yetzirah, and that's called the controlling and overpowering Yetzirah. And that is not operating out of excitement, out of passion, temptation, titulation, none of that. That is control. That is what's known in the Talmud as a foreign god. When there is a force that's not the Almighty, there is a force that is in control of you and you have no choice. You have to just obey your master. And these are two enemies, so to speak, that we have to encounter in life, we have to overcome. On one hand, there is this force that's trying to excite us and tempt us and persuade us to sin. And then there is a second force that's just there to control us. To control us and to dictate how we are supposed to live. And in my book, in my opinion, I do a great job of explaining how those two forces work and how they are related and how it's going to cause you all kinds of problems if you don't resist. My grandfather, blessed memory, said that on the flip side, it's also true. We also have a Yetzer Tov, a good inclination. We have a soul. And that part of ourselves is going to motivate us to do mitzvos, to obey God, to follow his guidance, to choose righteousness. And of course, you know, we're a mixed bag. We make mistakes. And of course, there are other times when we do things that are proper. But when we do mitzvos, there are two reasons why we would do mitzvos. Just like there are two reasons why we could blunder, there are two reasons why we could do the right thing. On one hand, we could be excited. We could be inspired. We can have a certain eagerness to do what's right. We want to grow. We want to improve. We want to refine ourselves. We want to better ourselves. We're really excited to do a mitzvah. And we get all fired up and there's passion and there's energy. We want to pursue greatness. We're excited to do a mitzvah. And that's wonderful. And in fact, the Talmud tells us in many places, there's an emphasis that the mitzvahs should always be new and exciting. Every single day, we should try to recreate Sinai. Every day, the mitzvahs should be novel. But what about when we're not so excited? We're not firing on all cylinders. We don't feel like we're flourishing. We're having a bad day. We don't feel the pizzazz and the oomph. Is it still possible to do mitzvos? 
The answer is yes. Just like there's a controlling Yetzirah, there is a possibility of having control of the good of the good version. And that is called fear of heaven. Fear of heaven is when someone is not necessarily inspired, but they're doing what's right because they have fear of heaven, and they feel like this they're compelled. They're compelled to do what Hashem wants of them, even when it's not so exciting. This is the holy version of that duality. Just like the Yitzhah it comes at us on one hand with excitement, with newness, with novelty. On the other hand, it comes at, what, comes at us with control, with overpowering. Similarly, there are mitzvahs that we do because we're excited. And then there's the fear of heaven, the subjugation to God, where we just do what's right because we are required to do that. I always used to think, you know, in the yeshiva, you have some of the students that are all fired up. Every day they can't wait to get up to go daven chakras. They can't wait to go to the yeshiva and to study. And they're eager and they're like, it's only been four hours. I can't believe we have to stop studying. We call them the goody-goodies. And they're so excited. They want to get there early to study in the afternoon session. And then people, you know, it's, it's tougher. They don't feel the excitement. They don't feel the passion. But they show up nonetheless because that's what they do. Both of them are manifesting good attributes. When it's hard and you're not motivated and you do it nonetheless, that is fear of heaven. You may not feel the passion. You may not feel the joy and the eagerness and the excitement and the novelty. But you feel compelled and you're doing it because that's what the Almighty expects of you. If we want to have Torah, if we want to acquire Torah, we're going to need a certain dose of fear of heaven. Because you know what? It's not always going to be exciting. The beginnings, we're told, are always hard. Every beginning is hard and every day is a new beginning. And even if it was exciting yesterday, today it's a new struggle. It's always a new struggle. And sometimes you have to work really through that struggle so you get into a good flow. And what is going to motivate you to sit down to study day after day, week after week, year after year, regardless of your temperament and your mood? Fear of heaven. You have to have this commitment to do it. If we're going to acquire Torah, it's going to demand a lifelong commitment. And the only way to ensure that that lifelong commitment is going to endure the good times and the bad times, if there is, is if there is a commitment and a degree of fear of heaven. Now, Ramchal, he says that fear of heaven used to mean something different. It used to mean that the sages of yore were so serious, they always felt that the presence of God was right in their proximity and they would tremble and they would be shaking with fear. You would feel like you're constantly in the presence of God. Nowadays, writes Romchal, 
300 some odd years ago. What it means is to have a degree of seriousness. Even today, you know, relationships, the institution of marriage still exists. And the reason why it exists is because when someone commits themselves to another person, that elevates the relationship and makes it serious. They have some skin in the game. They're committed to each other. This is a real relationship and not a fling. We don't want to have a fling with God. We want a real relationship. And that demands investment. And to the degree that we are going to invest this relationship, God will invest in it as well. We have a vast Torah to explore. We need some help. And we can experiment and explore and try it a little bit. And that's great. But if we really want to acquire it, we need to have seriousness in this relationship. And that demands developing a relationship and being committed to it. And that is the definition of fear of heaven. Of course, the study Torah is always great. But these are not 48 ways to study Torah. These are 48 ways to acquire Torah. And to acquire Torah, you have to have a commitment. You have to have a relationship. And only with fear of heaven can we truly acquire Torah. As always, my email address is rabbiwalby at gmail.com. And if you haven't emailed me yet, why not? I'm sitting and hitting refresh. I'm waiting for your email. Hope you're doing well. Send me your comments and your questions and your feedback.